Hey everyone, my name is Sejal and this is Overheard. We are here as part of the Global Collab Network. In this series, we discuss important issues relating to gender and hope to use this podcast as a platform to discuss gender inequality and other social issues. Today, we had an amazing discussion among members of the Gender Equality Hub about changes with gender equality as we enter the new year. And we also discussed further changes we hope to see in the future. Yes. So what aspects of gender equality are you the most passionate about? Um, So I can go first. Some of the aspects of gender equality that I'm the most passionate about and I find to be the most interesting are um, gender inequality, specifically in healthcare. That's something I'm very passionate about. Um, And I think it's a really big problem in the world, uh, particularly in lower income nations. And um, I think that's really important that we address that problem and work towards implementing more equitable healthcare systems worldwide. Um, But that's just one of the many different parts of gender inequality. And um, there's definitely a lot of other aspects that I think are really interesting as well and that we can explore. For me personally, um, I'm interested in gender equality in STEM fields um, and other traditionally male dominated fields. and this is something that being interested in going into STEM myself um, that I have experienced. Um, so I'm really interested in just finding ways to create more equality in these fields. Um, yeah, and just going off of what Olivia was saying, I'm also really interested in STEM and as a woman in STEM, um, I mean, growing up, I feel like there's always been a little bit of a divide and. Um, whether it's like in my computer science class, which is particularly male dominated, um, it's always been a little bit of a struggle to feel comfortable and kind of like put yourself out there and um, surround yourself with others that can help make you feel comfortable. Um, And I like remember one instance when we were working in groups and um, all the guys kind of just like didn't want any of the girls to be in their groups. That's definitely a really big problem. And although I I feel like there's definitely been improvements with that, and still many of those STEM fields are really heavily male dominated and that's a pretty big problem. Yeah, I completely agree. I had um, a similar experience in one of my computer science classes where um, last year um, I was the only girl that went back to school in my um, computer science class. And I remember um, it was like the teacher asked a question and I was afraid to raise my hand being the only girl because I thought that if I got the question wrong, um, other people would think that it was just because I was a girl that I got it wrong. And I remember that was something that I, um, and I worked on that last year, like being able to raise my hand and not like worry about that as much, but I definitely faced um, similar situation in my computer science classes. Um, Yeah, and then like just adding on to that, um, as I'd mentioned earlier, like I'm really interested in gender inequality in healthcare, um, and just going off of that, um, as I've been doing research, I found that um, gender inequality in healthcare isn't just a problem, as many would believe, in lower income nations, it's also just as big a problem in um, developed and supposedly um, higher income nations such as the US. Um, For example, one of the things that I found really surprising was um, that since 1984, more women have died of heart attacks in the U.S. than men. And that just really was very surprising to me because I've always thought of 
um, cardiovascular disease or heart attacks as a men's disease. And it never really crossed my mind that it could be affecting more women. And um, the main reason why that's a problem is actually because there's not as much known about um, heart attacks in women and there's not as much research done. Um, so more women are, suffer because they're not properly diagnosed or treated. Um, I think this is a really just an avoidable issue. And um, I just found that to be really interesting. And that's one of the aspects of gender inequality that I've looked into. Thank you guys so much for sharing that. And Julie, if you wanna um, add in anything or say John Olivia before we go on to the next question. Um, I mean, no, I think that was pretty much it. Um, I've just, I really think that um, your upbringing and like your family kind of shapes the way that you view the world a lot, which is kind of going into our next question. Um, but I, that's definitely pushed me kind of to pursue like a STEM career, um, particularly seeing my sister growing up and she's in med school now. So seeing her pursue a STEM, STEM career, um, try to become a doctor, I, that's definitely influenced me. And that's kind of also pushed me to explore gender inequality in healthcare in that way. Yeah, I also um, agree that like the way that you are brought up between your family and your community, um, I think that that really shapes who you are um, and your views on gender equality, um, because I've been lucky that my family has been very supportive of um, pursuing a STEM career. Um, and that's something that's what made me interested in it in the first place. And I think that, um, so I'm an only child, so I think that it's I do have some friends that have like older brothers, um, like female friends that have older brothers. And I know that for them, they were raised like in slightly different ways than their brothers. And I think that that definitely impacted um, the way that they see gender equality as well. So I know you guys are talking a lot about like your family and um, I know Olivia, you said your family is really supportive on that end, but I think there are also like cultural barriers um, so like, for example, my family is decently supportive, but when it comes to like our culture, um, that's like a whole different situation because we do live across the world from them, um, from our extended family. And so do you guys feel like although your family is supportive, you feel like your extended family has a whole different like cultural view on these issues? Um, yeah, I would say that I definitely agree with you just because um, my parents immigrated here from India and the, a lot of my extended family still lives in India. Um, and although I haven't seen, the last time I saw them was in like the second grade when we went there. Um, it's definitely, there's a lot of gender norms and like societal norms, um, particularly like women should work in the kitchen. They should like serve their brothers, husbands, anything like that. Um, and it's kind of like, I, although my family has always been very supportive and like living in America and particularly in Northern Virginia um, in a diverse area, I've never been as subjected to that. Um, when I do go visit them, or I feel like there are certain standards that they have put in place and certain ideas of what they feel a woman's role should be, um, which is a little contradictory to my own direct family. Um, so yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. I know one, this is Julie. I know one thing that um, is challenging, I think in the world of, so gender roles now, is that while many avenues are fully open to females and even in some professions, they're pr predominantly female. Um, I think law school, for instance, is now, most law schools are have a majority female. 
But I think the challenge becomes is that sort of like what Sejal was just saying that, you know, you get, you can do all those things professionally. You can accomplish and work hard, but you're also, ex also expect to do all the other aspects of domestic life. And so you, you get to that point, you think, oh, wait, I'm equal, but I've also got this extra burden for all these other things. I'm curious about how you three as younger females sort of perceive your future in terms of a partnership and how we might do better in sharing the load of living a full life um, with our partners. Um, yeah, so I definitely feel as though when we like old, grow older, I definitely want to have a family in the future. Um, and But I definitely also just want to keep focus on my career a lot and be successful. And I, I think something that we're seeing right now is a lot of um, women are getting married when they're older, having families when they're older, um, getting in serious relationships when they're older and like kind of focusing on their career and putting themselves first. And I do think that it's really important to kind of not take on too much work and be the sole like caregiver of the family. Um, and that's why I feel like, as you said, like in law schools, it's more um, predominantly women now. Um, so I think that's like an interesting shift we're seeing in that um, there's more like stay at home dads. Um, they're like sharing the burden and things like that. Um, so, I mean, definitely like when I, when I grow older, I, I definitely want to focus on my career and kind of put myself first, but also focus on my family at the same time. And I don't think that's something that you can do if you're the only one putting in the effort, which I think it's, which is why I think it's very important for there to be multiple caregivers in the family and not just like one sole person. Yeah, I'm also interested in starting a family when I'm older, but I definitely don't want to compromise my career as well. So I think that, um, as you were saying, Sajel, it's really important to have um, both partners um, supporting each other in their careers and um, as well as supporting the family. And I think that for me, I've been able to see that a lot um, in my parents, both supporting each other and like having equal roles around the house and also um, like seeing I used to babysit for a neighbor and seeing like a younger couple um, with their first kid also like sharing equal roles as far as if someone had a work call then like the other partner would um, help take care of the kid and if like vice versa um, but that's something that I definitely hope to strive for when I'm older as well. Um, I think a lot of the time for me, like I've grown up to see a lot of the women in my life um, assume the role of caregiver for the, their entire life. Um, I mean, like when they're not taking care of, you know, their family when they're younger, they're taking care of their like immediate family when they're older, like when they have like, you know, a spouse and children. Um, and then when they grow older, they're taking care of like their parents, you know, who are now elderly. And so I think that aspect I'm not gonna lie to you it kind of scares me because I think a lot of the time like there's just a, a huge expectation um for a lot of women and it's kind of hard to realize that maybe you can't live up to that expectation to an extent or maybe you don't want to live up to that expectation because you want to focus on yourself and your career um and so I think that's something that I'm really struggling with and I know I'm going to say like I want to have you know like a balanced life. I want to focus on my career. I want to, I want to, you know, have a family when I'm older, but I can't say that it's something that scares me. I think it's something that seems very challenging. And I think something that's kind of unrelated, but a little bit, 
um, interrelated with what we're talking about is the fact that maternity leave in the U.S. is so short. Um, and so it's kind of hard because you're going to focus on your career. You're going to go to work while you're on maternity leave, but you're also not really with your child um, who you just had. And so I think that's also something that kind of scares me. So it's kind of like a loaded question with not many immediate answers. So, yeah. What about you, Julie? Well, I do think that what I love is that I think that your generation of women will go into these, into that part of your life with much, much healthier expectations about yourself and about your partner. Um, I, I hope, of course, those conversations will occur early on, that early on patterns will develop that are equitable in terms of, again, if you think about it, if, you know, there's, I mean, it, it starts really the very beginning, even, you know, who asks the other person on a date, um, who, um, who asks the other person to get married, um, who is, you know, there's all kinds of little, little expectations that can creep into a relationship where you can think, wait, none of this is, doesn't have to be defined by gender. Um, you can define it by sharing the various challenges in that you face as, you know, as a couple, everything from finances to domestic chores to family, uh, caregiving, all of that. I think I really hope that you all will, in, as you're moving forward in your life, just remind yourself that there's nothing you have to do as a female. You can negotiate what you want to do, what you're willing to do, but you can also stop and say, that's it. This is where my responsibility ends. And I don't get, no one gets to judge me or define my worth as a human being, as a, as a woman based on these cultural expectations that may or might, may not, I may not subscribe to. And I'm going to sort of say, okay, I am going to set my own expectations and then share all these responsibilities and make that clear from the get-go. Um, but I do think it's often our own, we're often our own worst enemy when it comes to gender roles. And I'm curious if the three of you have things that you even learn from your family or you're aware of in our culture um, that are things that are burdens for women in particular. And think that if, those, if there are those burdens, how would you begin to reject that expectation? So for instance, I'm just, an example might be appearance. I think that's a huge, sometimes can be a burden for women. And, and so the more we can get away from that being the way in which you are judged and the way we see our value as a human being, I think that's gonna be a positive. But I'm curious if there are other, if you three have things like that, you think, you know what? I'm not gonna take that on in my life, that expectation or that cultural norm. And I'm willing to, to say, no, that's not gonna define, that's not gonna define, let that define me as a, as a woman. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. That's a really interesting one. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things in my family, um, growing up, my mom was the oldest of, she had two younger sisters, um, and she was kind of supposed to set an example for them. Um, and so she was had to get married first. She had to like have a family first. Um, and she kind of had to put her own like goals on pause and her own career goals on pause um, in order to have a family and like take care of me and my brother and my sister. Um, 
And I think that in order to like reject those kind of norms that have been set, um, I definitely would want to focus on having like focusing on my career first instead of having a family or even having a family at the same time, but also making sure that it's with someone that can support me and that can also help take care of um, the rest of the family and not like put all of the burden on me. Um, and I think my, honestly, my mom has been a great role model and example for me and kind of like, even though she um, was kind of forced to put her own like goals aside and kind of focus on taking care of her children, um, now she's kind of gone back to like starting new things. So like, for example, she's um, starting like a rental business for houses and Airbnbs and stuff like that. Um, and even though it's been like 20 years, 30 years, um, now she's kind of like putting herself first. And even though it's a little delayed, like I think that's really brave of her and strong of her um, to kind of like want to do that now and have the strength to go back and like finish whatever she had started and focus on her own dreams. So that's like something that I found interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really important um, point to focus on. And actually going back to Julie, when you mentioned appearance, I was actually thinking about that the other day because um, I remembered there was a time in middle school um, and as far as the dress code for, I remember we had an assembly once in um, middle school and it was focused on the dress code and it was specifically focused on what girls could and could not wear to school. And that was really like the whole purpose of the um, assembly. And I remember so many people were angry and it was just really sad that at like 12 years old, that was, we were sad, we had to focus on what we were wearing and whether that would distract other people from their learning. And I think that, um, and the other sad part was that it was like the school and the teachers who are supposed to be supporting us no matter what, that were like really enforcing this. Um, and, I think that um, starting from like a young age, like getting, like not placing such a big focus on dress codes and stuff like that and making sure that um, teachers and like school administration are really helping with um, gender equality at a young age. I think for me, um, I also forgot to mention in the beginning, a lot of the stuff I'm interested in gender equality relates to like, healthcare, but also like racial disparities and gender equality. And so when you're talking about family, the first thing that kind of came to me was like community, so like the black community. Um, and I think there's like this expectation for black women to be, um, to like express their femininity a lot more because they are like kind of portrayed to be masculine um, through time. And so that is a big burden on them because it's just so expensive. I mean, like the hair and like the lashes and like the the nails and everything like you really see it um it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it is a burden um and it's because they're the expectation is just that they're not quote unquote the beauty standard um and not really sure how we can fix that tangibly right now um I think to an extent it just has to be dealt with through conversations and um I think we are kind of having those conversations through social media. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think a lot of the time on TikTok, I see like a lot of videos where Black women are expressing this and I think it's bringing a lot of awareness to them. Um, so I think it's just more awareness. Having conversations like this as well is really helpful. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And I feel 
as though social media can be like a really powerful tool and that it can um, allow you to like spread information and also just allow people to become more aware um, and learn about these issues. Um, but then like the other aspect of social media, which I guess is the bad side, um, is that it can definitely like tear people down. So I don't know. I, I feel as though social media can be like a good or bad thing. And I, I definitely like want to hear what you guys think about how it's being used now and like today, for example, um, like how it's being used to either like uplift people, share information, um, allow people to make connections or or like what it's not doing so well. Um, and whether you guys think it's like a good or bad thing necessarily. I really think it can be both because I think it can help amplify people's voices that usually aren't able to have a platform, um, but then it can also amplify the voices that are um, spreading stereotypes and like perpetuating these stereotypes. Um, and I think I've seen both sides of it. And sometimes, for example, like on TikTok, I'll see one video that's promoting body positivity. And then the next video is like perpetuating these stereotypes. So I think it's really like a balance between both. Um, and I think I have been able to learn a lot through social media as far as like um, people have shared articles and stuff that have allowed me to learn um, new things or people have um, spread awareness about issues that are going on in their community that I've been able to learn about that I wouldn't have really had the opportunity to learn about otherwise. Um, but I think it can be really dangerous and especially for like young people that like younger people that are on the apps. I think that um, they can be a lot more impressionable and sometimes think that um, there's like a certain beauty standard, for example, that they don't look like. And I think that that can be really hurtful as well. So I think that there's like a good and a bad side to social media. I agree. Um, I know, I don't necessarily have a gender equality example right now, but I know that a lot of the time um, people feel the need to like, or they are allowed to um, like talk about certain situations that happen to them through social media to bring awareness to those situations. Like for example, if something happened at a university and the you know, the administration is not really doing much, people bring it to social media and that brings a lot of attention to it, which is a really great thing. And that's how you get a lot of like your news and your information, at least for me. Um, but I think that a lot of the time, obviously you see certain like models, you see other things or other people um, in like that industry that are just really taking the beauty standard to a whole different level. And I think that really affects younger girls. Obviously it's not the responsible to create a beauty standard, but um, it's, I think it's kind of the responsibility to talk about what's realistic and what's unrealistic. So at least for me, when I was younger, I really struggled with eating disorder. And so um, I think half of it was kind of like dealt with through social media um, and perpetuated through social media. And so it is rough because social media is something that's so big um, and something that can't be regulated to an extent. So I think it just depends on like you and how much you're intaking. Um, yeah, but Julie, do you have anything else you want to add on that end from your experience? Well, I was thinking, I think about this issue a lot. Um, my professional life right now is working with parents. Um, so I do teach parenting classes. I also coach parents. Um, and this is obviously a huge concern. Um, and I think particularly for young women, I think, but for young men too, um, 
I think one of the things that I really would want to encourage parents to think about is, and, and this is this goes beyond just social media. It's, it's the whole, to me, the approach to the world in a way. If you orient to the world in a way that says, I am going to greet the world with, with curiosity, with, um, with questions, with um, maybe some healthy skepticism, but, but in a way, but also openness, it's, it, it might take away from that the immediacy that we all default to, which is judgment and, or intolerance or looking at the differences as being something that's, that objectifies that person or as something we reject because that person is different. And I do feel like, I wonder if, if more of us could get look at these images on social media or read books, or even when we greet other people, you greet them with, again, an openness to the fullness of who that person is. Um, look beyond their skin color, beyond their gender, beyond their, uh, and, and begin to sort of see, oh, what's that person's message? What is that person saying and doing? What is that person, how is that person entertaining me? How is that person, what questions can I ask this person? Rather than, oh, I don't like that, or I don't agree with that, or that's terrible, or this is what I think. Um, and I find this even in conversations with people that there's that kind of instant kind of, oh, well, this is how I think and do that versus, hmm, that's so interesting that you would do your hair that way. I kind of love that. How did you do it? what did you think about it? Um, I, I love that. Um, or I am interested that your view is not the view that I share, but I wonder how you came to that view or what, what assumptions did you make or where, how did you, um, how did you, how do you find that's received by other people? So again, it's stuck in orientation to the world that changes the whole dynamic of how you encounter these things. And, and with social media in particular, of course, the critical thing is to kind of convey to, to younger children and particularly young girls that it's just, it's just images, it's not reality. It's just a, it's just an image of us in a moment in time in one person's life, which may or may not reflect who they are, um, and certainly doesn't reflect the fullness of human experience. So, but it is a tough one. I do think the counter narrative with social media is as important as the narrative. The narrative is you know, the image that we see, or the dance, or the song, or the, the point of view, and then there's a whole counter narrative um, that is what you value, what you care about, where you, how you see yourself um, and what you can learn from that. You know, that's an also another way to look at it as an opportunity to learn and grow versus an opportunity to oppose or judge or reject or, or emulate even. I mean, you can both, in social media, again, you either emulate and think about it as in terms of that experience that I want to replicate my own life or feel bad about myself, or you reject and then become it builds on your own prejudices and, and uh, intolerance. So, yeah, I think it's a very, very important topic. Um, one thing I think I'd love to kind of hear more um, about, like, what would you three say are the trends that engender equality? I mean, across the board, um, from the Me Too movement to body positivity to um, looking at, um, again, the progress that women have made to changes that you're seeing in the world. What excites you most about 
2022 in terms of gender equality? What is the trend that you think is the most encouraging to you as a young woman? Um, I, yeah, I'm just like trying to think right now because there's definitely a lot of different movements and there's a lot of been advancements that have been made. Um, I mean, I would honestly have to say that some of the things that have excited me the most um, entering 2022 are just the changes that we've seen, um, particularly in politics and with um, having like a, a female vice president, um, a woman of color vice president. I think that's something that's really, really cool and seeing her in such a position of power that kind of gives me hope for the future and um, particularly such a field that's like male, white male dominated. I think that's very cool to see her um, in that role and see her shine in that way. Yeah, I was definitely going to say um, seeing a female vice president um, as, as definitely one of the things that has been most exciting. I remember um, that night after they had counted all of the votes and like seeing her on TV, it was just, it was such an empowering experience to see that, um, I think I agree with Sajel that one of the most empowering moments this year was seeing um, of the first female vice president. And I remember it was just, um, and that's something that definitely excites me moving forward. Um, but it was such an empowering moment to see her on the stage after um, winning the election and just seeing that um, just one of the, hopefully one of the first of many um, female in politics um, at that level. Um, and then another thing that excites me, I think is just going back to the idea of social media. I think I've seen a lot of different trends that are just encouraging women um, from whether it's body positivity or um, even earlier this year, there was a trend that was, um, there was a sound that was like, I know we talked about this before, but it was like, I am woman. And then it said a bunch of other like positive words and people would post pictures to that sound. And that I remember every time I would see those videos, they were all just, just extremely empowering. Um, and that's something else that excites me moving forward. Um, I think also bringing it from sort of like a global scale back to our group. Um, what are something or some projects that you're most excited about working on in this hub um, in 2022? Um, I mean, one of the, that, or one of my most favorite projects um, that we've been working on is, I just love um, having our conversations, like the open conversations that we have um, every week at our meetings. and particularly being able to record this podcast. That's something that I've really been wanting to do. Um, and I just love how we can have open conversations about um, these challenging and difficult topics and, and having these difficult conversations. I think that's like a really important step um, in being able to kind of understand gender equality and like what problems are associated with it. Um, and definitely because there's like a lot of really big global issues associated with it. So I would say that's like some of my favorite conversations and like projects that we've been working on. Yeah, I think that 
conversations are really the starting point of change. And I think that um, people might think that they're just conversations, but that's really where you can learn other people's perspectives. And these conversations are just so um, empowering for me. And I think that we really address so many of the big issues and we're able to, um, from these conversations, we're able to have like a starting point to work on new projects. Um, and out of the projects that we've discussed, like potentially working on in 2022, some of my, um, one of the ones that most excites me is the possibility of creating a project that could um, focus on empowering younger women. And because I think that gender equality and promoting gender equality starts young, because I think that some of these like ideas and stereotypes are really ingrained in people's heads from a very young age. So that's definitely a project that excites me. I know that two things that I think are just really encouraging um, that have been developed, developing, I think the last 10 or 15 years, and they're two very different things. One is that I think one of the things that very excites me a lot is just that the ways we're changing the way we look and think about gender. I think it's fascinating how you can, I mean, you get to define what that means for you. And that's in terms of both sexuality, but also in terms of your personal expression, how you identify. Um, um, and this being more, more of an open question um, about, you know, you're not defined by the, the body that you were born in. And it's also, but it just means that there's, an, I think across the board, um, not just the trans gender youth, but for all young people to think, well, this is the way in which I'm more masculine and this is the way I'm more feminine and being in touch with both, all those aspects of who you are um, and without apology, without apology. And that's huge. That's a big change. I know for me growing up, being feminine, being dressing in a very feminine way, acting in a very feminine way um, was, was expected. And for my brothers, it was the opposite. And I think those things, it was stifling. And I think it was, it really did create problems for people. And it, it just, I'm so glad that's opening up more. And the other very different trend that I'm very encouraged by is the trend around um, sexual um, harassment, sex, certainly sexual assault um, in, um, in various venues and sports and business. Um, that, that there are more and more, I think, the workplace um, or when people get together, I think individuals know that this is not acceptable anymore. It was accepted for a long, long time. And now it's not perfect. We've got a long way to go. But I think more and more, I think people are going to understand that that's just not okay. And there will be consequences. You'll lose your career um, or you'll be, or you know, if it's a, uh, you'll actually go to prison um, but you certainly can be, there's going to be consequences and that's no longer the way that women have to, they have to be treated that way in a, in a workplace or again, in a, um, a program of any kind, that that is not what is acceptable anymore. And those are two very big and changes that I'm very encouraged by.
Um, I guess another question that I was kind of thinking of that kind of goes off of our list is what are some changes that you want to see in gender equality in your own life? So something that's specific to you, whether you had an experience. Um, Sage and Olivia, do you guys want to go first or do you guys want clarification on the question? Yeah, I can go first. Um, I mean, one of the biggest changes I would hope to see in my own family. Um, so growing up with a twin brother, I feel like there's always been really specific um, standards and like ideas of how we should act and how, and I, one thing that I've thought is always a little unfair um, is that my parents kind of expect different things from me and him, um, even though we're the same age, um, we go to the same school, we do the same things. Um, and I always just thought that was really interesting. And in that we're kind of still expected to, they expect different things of us. Um, and I kind of wish that that could possibly change. Um, and just that sometimes I, I think that's a little unfair um, in my own family, even though they've, it's definitely, it's definitely become a little better. And my, my parents have been a little more accepting and kind of um, giving me the freedom to do what I want, but it's, it's always definitely been, um, he's had a little more freedom to do whatever he wants. And it's kind of a little, always been a little harsher on me. Um, and I think that might be because growing up, my parents had certain standards in their family. Um, and it's the way they were um, taught to behave and certain expectations they had for boys versus girls. Um, so that's definitely something that I've kind of struggled with a little bit and I would hope to see change a little bit more. Yeah, and for me, um, sort of going back to what we talked about before, um, as far as women in STEM in my own life, um, like my computer science classes, that's something that I hope to see change in just seeing more girls in the classes um, and it being more accepted and like widespread that girls um, go into computer science and take computer science classes. Um, and I think that that's something that has definitely improved. I was talking to um, a friend who took computer science like a couple years ago and um, at that point, there were even fewer girls that were in the computer science class. And now there's um, several girls at my school taking AP computer science, which is like already an improvement. But I just hope that um, people continue to encourage girls to enter um, fields that are traditionally male dominated um, and that they're not afraid or like intimidated by that. Yeah, and Julia, I'd love to hear your take on this too. Um, I think for me, I obviously totally agree with you, Sajel and Olivia, um, especially when I was in high school, which was literally last year, I was thinking the same things as you. But I think now that I've moved to Baltimore, I kind of have a different take on this and a different priority, which is just the safety aspect of it. Um, I think that like a lot of the time I get these messages that are like, you know, it's like a public safety announcement. Um, and it's just like a woman was assaulted on campus or close to campus or um, like someone threw a drink on a woman's face at like 8 p.m. at night on this street, which is like 0.5 miles away from my dorm. And so it kind of just is, it's really terrifying. Um, and it's just to say that like a lot of women can't leave their houses at a certain time by themselves due to 
like just like the safety aspect of it and I really wish that would change because it's very limiting and it's very restricting and I know that for me growing up um, that was something that I obviously had to deal with at home because obviously like my family was was very cautious on that end and it's just something that you can't really escape in college and it made me realize that this is more of like a global issue rather than like a cultural issue and so I wish that there were more safety measures for women and of course they, there are but um, I don't think that there are enough to an extent so I think it's just a safety aspect of it. Julie, do you want to go ahead? No, I agree, Fatima. And I do think that, that there are so many things that are encouraging, as Olivia and Sejal mentioned, so many things that are important, um, both in terms of our own academic experience, in terms of our family roles, family expectations. But the issue of personal safety is so visceral. And it is something that is, again, we mentioned earlier for the burdens that women carry uniquely. And I think that is one that we, we have to think about that all the time, especially when you are younger and you're in a place, you're in college. And it's, um, to me, it just seems really unfair. Um, and it makes me actually very sad to think about that having to be something that you're conscious of, and I understand it's a reality, but it just seems to me like it's in that extra bit of not only all the other things we're sort of expected to do um, and be, um, but the way we're supposed to look, the way we're supposed to dress, but then we have to think, but then I have to worry about, will I be in some way assaulted or, um, and it's a, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a tragedy, an ongoing tragedy, um, that it's a reality for women all over the world. Um, so for all the progress that I mentioned earlier in terms of the workplace, and there's still a long way we have to go toward creating safe spaces for women on, in every way, physical safety, emotional safety, um, all of those things are something we're gonna to have to be vigilant about, um, I think as a society. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And thank you guys so much for talking about like your own experiences. And it's interesting to see how um, everyone has a different take on how they want gender equality to adjust in their own lives. Um, personally, I think that's a great way to end this off because um, we did talk about like the personal, the global, the communal. Um, but if anyone wants to add anything else. Okay, we're all good, I think. I'm gonna stop recording if that's okay with everyone. That concludes our candid conversation about our own experiences with gender equality, changes we would like to see, and what we hope to accomplish in our hub. If you're interested in hearing more about topics such as healthy masculinity, gender norms, female empowerment, and more, be sure to check out our other episodes, which are available on Spotify and Anchor. If you're interested in learning more about us, you can find more information on the Global Collab Network website and the Global Collab Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope that you tune in for the next episode of Overheard.